Okay, let's go to our next picture. Oh. <laughs> uh, really? <laughs> I told you the pictures were random. Yeah, this is random, all right. Hey, welcome to the Winnie and Bill Chad podcast. Today's episode is number 17. And we're coming to you today with just some random pictures and some random thoughts. Winnie? Hello. The way that we do our podcast is we post nine pictures to our Instagram account, which is Quiet Shutter Photo. And then we talk about the pictures and you can look at the pictures either while you're listening or later on after you're done listening. Um, so, and today we really didn't have a plan. Um, we had a busy weekend and the days snuck up on us. So what we're doing today is I have chosen nine random pictures from my cell phone. So these aren't beautiful photographs that we're proud of necessarily. They were just um, pictures that for whatever reason, I decided to snap, snap a picture. And uh, because it was something I wanted to remember down the road, not necessarily a picture I wanted to blow up and hang on the wall. Um, so Bill has not seen any of the pictures yet. He'll be seeing them for the first time as we go through and talk about them. And I think we should just dive right in. Oh, what should we do first, Bill? Don't forget to thank Anchor. We should thank Anchor Podcasting Platform. It's a, a free podcasting platform that anybody can use to create a podcast. If you have something you want to say or things you want to talk about, make a podcast. Because if we can do it. You can do it. Thank you, Anchor. Thanks, Anchor. All right, Bill, do you have the first picture up? I do. And? And the first picture is a picture of a crazy little deer that was laying down in behind the dumpster here at the park. Um, she's laying in an old sand pile that's been grown over with a bunch of green uh under cover and it looks like she's just got a big old green bed and having a good old time laying yeah, down kind of like a queen on her yeah. on her mattress yeah this picture um it was the middle of the day which seems so unusual to find a deer just laying down but um bill and i live and work at park of the pines which is a uh, church camp and retreat center and um this year because of COVID, all of the uh, normal camps and activities that would be happening here have been canceled. So it's pretty quiet on the grounds, pretty much just Bill and I roaming around doing projects and maintenance. And so the animals, the wildlife has been loving it. Yeah, normally we know that the deer in particular are around here quite a little bit. And when we have a group, um, that's here for a week at a time and then leave typically within two or three hours, we start to see the animals kind of creep back out of the trees and, and, but this year 
They've had the run of the place. They've, right. They've, they've eaten no all the restraints. They've eaten all the landscaping that's around the buildings. Yeah. <laughs> so much for the flowers this we year. We have one apple tree on the grounds and it was exploding with apples this year. And that's gone now. Yeah. We kept checking it every day because we our goal is to have at least one apple pie that's made complete with, completely with Park of the Pines apples. And this was going to be the year. Yeah, there was probably two or three bushels of apples on that tree this year, and they are gone. Some years the it, the tree produces well, but then we have a big group of people here, and there's nothing more fun than for kids to pick apples and throw them at each other. So we lose the apples that way a lot of times. And yes, I have seen deer, I have seen deer eating the apples on the ground, and I have seen ap- deer on their hind legs standing up getting apples off the tree. Yeah, but I think some raccoons must have joined in the party this year because they didn't get to the ones on the top of the tree, that's for sure. Yeah, it was loaded one day and then it was almost like the very next day we went and looked and there was not no evidence of an apple anywhere. Yeah, it's crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah, so the deer and the raccoons and the squirrels and a lot of birds. We had a family of hawks that moved in this summer on the grounds and... Uh, Merlin hawks, two, a pair of Merlin hawks, and they had a couple of babies. And whenever Bill and I were wor- out working on the grounds, especially while we were staining the big lodge, they liked to harass us. <laughs> yeah, but apparently they have moved on because the yeah, definite the, noise that they make has not been apparent. In the last few days, they have nope. seemed to have moved on, which is kind of a sad thing. If they've started to migrate away, it means. We are in the dog days of summer. Don't even say it. So, yeah. So this deer, I went from the house and walked. You have to walk past the garage and the dumpsters a fair, just a little walk away from the house, but a fair enough ways away. And I walked right up to the dumpster, threw my garbage into the dumpster and then noticed this doe laying down on her throne. And she really could have cared less that I was there. I guess they've gotten familiar enough with you and I that. Yeah, they really don't run anywhere. Yeah, I, I talked sweetly to her and got my cell phone out and snapped a quick quick picture so I could show you. Yep, and they give you the head bob like, what's up? Yeah, there's there's always deer on the grounds as far as that goes. And they're um, across from the house, which is the resident caretaker's house that we live in. There is a fence and behind the fence is a wooded area. And every summer since we've been here, a doe will give birth and take care of her fawn for the first week or so in that little area. Yep. And it happened again this year. Absolutely. And so fun to watch because the the mama deer will um, leave the baby deer in that protected little area and go off and forage for food and whatnot and then come back and feed the baby and um And as the baby gets a little bit older and uh, is old enough to cause a fuss that it doesn't want to be left alone, it will make its presence known. Yeah, it it, uh, runs around and does this little bleeding noise that you can definitely hear from quite a long ways away. And And the mom who you think is nowhere around all of a sudden will come running out from, from nowhere and and attend to her baby. Yeah. 
I think that the baby this year was exceptionally needy. Yeah, and I think it still is because I just saw her a couple of days ago just just hugging right close to the mom for some reason this year. And the mom at times just seems so harassed. I remember one day this year and she tucked the baby in and then she started to wander off. And every time she got just a little ways away, the baby would start that crying, that blah, and the mom would stop. And you could tell she'd look over like, do I really have to go back? Should yeah. I go back? And then she would go back. <laughs> as much as she didn't want to. Well, they're probably from the very get-go trying to teach them independence and how to get oh, along. Definitely. Right? I would think you'd have to. Yeah. Yep. Survival. That's yeah. for sure. Sure is fun to see them though. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What is our next random picture, Bill? <laughs> That's random. <laughs> they are. These are random pictures today. They have nothing to do with each other. So <laughs> So the the second picture that we're looking at, um, for those of you who can see it, um, is actually a little card holder made out of a Petoskey stone that I actually made yesterday. Uh, this was a fairly good-sized Petoskey stone that when our daughter Lauren was here, probably, man, it's been almost a month since she was here, I guess. Um, found this on the beach along with some other stones and, and left them all here. And uh, I said to Winnie, we should do something with this, one of these anyways. And we like to do something with the Petoskey stones and send them to Lauren or or take some to her when we're heading out that way sometime. But this actually ended up being, we I polished it down and uh, cleaned it up a little bit and uh, took a stone saw and cut a little slot in it that you could... Um, We've got our business card in this particular one. Uh, you could use it for recipe card holders. That's our I intentions, thinking. I think, is that she would use it as a, a recipe card holder. So I'm going to back up a little bit and explain what a Petoskey stone is, because we, believe it or not, have a couple of listeners that live in other countries, not just Canada either. They have, we have some listeners in Ireland and Germany. And they probably have no idea what a Petoskey stone is. So a Petoskey stone is a fossilized stone that has um, the fossils of, coral. The, yeah, the impression of a uh, freshwater coral that was um, prolific in the Devonian, Devonian period during the Cretaceous period. So a long, long time ago, and um, in northern Michigan, along Lake Michigan, um, it's very popular to search for and find Petoskey stones. So the Petoskey stone, the fossils pattern looks like, well, how would you describe it, Bill? Almost like a honeycomb. Yeah, it is kind of like a honeycomb, kind of has a flower look to it. Yeah. When you get up real close to it, they have little spider veins in them too. It, you know, they vary in looks and in size and color somewhat. Um, and sometimes you find just a, a rock that will have mostly Petoskey and a little bit of a different stone mixed in with it. So sometimes that's kind of cool to try and make jewelry with or just buff it up and make it. Yeah, a lot of people make jewelry with Petoskey stones. Um 
the area that we live in next to Lake Charlevoix, which is really an offshoot of Lake Michigan, one of the Great Lakes, um, was was at one time, this was all underwater. So it's it's pretty common to find all different kinds of fossils around here that were, you know, underwater creatures. I know maybe 15 years ago, our son found a fairly large, substantial fossil of a... Um, nautiloid cephalopod. A nautiloid cephalopod, which was a segmented kind of a shelled creature. Um, but it's, boy, that... That fossil's the size of a what we, like a bowling ball almost. Yeah, that yeah, it's it's good good size one. Yeah, that yeah. Was so probably every bit as big as a bowling ball. Yeah. So it so a Petoskey stone is a fossil of coral, freshwater coral. Right, and they are anywhere from the size of the end of your finger up to seven eight pounds. I've some reports of them finding like twenty five thirty pounders in some areas, but. Um, and the, the detail and the beauty of them really comes out when you sand the stone and make it smooth and then polish it. Um, usually a Petoskey stone is in, you know, it's a fossil in limestone. So it's not really a stone that you could just throw in a rock polishing tumbler. Um, I think that it would, people say that it would pretty much beat it up and it would fall apart. Some people do use a tumbler if they throw it in with other stones. You can get away with that, but they'd have to be pretty small because they do break fairly easy. I know when I've uh, tried to, even this particular one, which was probably, you know, almost the size of my palm of my hand, um, it even chipped off a little bit as uh, I was polishing it up. So I know that you have polished Petoskey stones before and gotten them right down to that beautiful smooth finish and and got them almost all the way polished and then dropped it or something and had it break apart and what a heartache yeah i've even had them snap in half in my hand while i was polishing them it's uh kind of crazy sometimes so let's go to our next random cell phone picture all righty mm, nice i don't even remember where this was i know where it was but can you say what the picture is? The picture is of a um, a big spider. I believe that's a wolf spider. Um, there's a lot of spiders around here. And uh, the, there's a picture of, that's probably my thumb in the, in the print, in the corner of the picture. And as you can see, the spider is uh, probably... It's bigger than your thumb couple inches in diameter probably. It was a big spider. It was a big spider. This was in one of the buildings at um, the campground here. Um, call, it was in the rec hall. And in the rec hall, there's a really nice old rustic um, built-in stone fireplace. And uh, we were in that building. I can't remember. We were in the building to get something, I think. But all of the buildings here have been, had very little use this summer. And when we talk about the wildlife coming out and taking over, that also includes the spiders because there are spiders everywhere. Oh, the spiders are terrible. And with the buildings just sitting quiet, they've sort of taken over. And um, we were so we were in the rec hall and I happened to glance at the fireplace and saw this humongous wolf spider. 
which I think are probably more intimidating looking than they are dangerous, but. Yeah, I don't know. They're all that dangerous, but they, they do, uh, they're ugly. And it's maybe hard to tell also in this picture. I said to you, I'm going to take a picture, put your thumb there if you dare, so that I can show the size of it. And you didn't exactly get your thumb. You were probably holding your thumb a couple inches away from that stone. Yeah, I didn't exactly touch the spider. Yeah. <laughs> I did touch him with the bottom of my shoe. So your later. thumb looks, because of perspective, because your thumb was closer to the to the camera lens on the phone, your thumb looks bigger than your thumb really is. Right. That spider was bigger than the end of your thumb for sure. It was. So what happened after after I snapped that picture? Did you just use your thumb and squish him? Uh, I think I used the bottom of my shoe. I think you used a shoe. You did not just. <laughs> no, I didn't want to touch him. I think and he, he made a run for it. You had to kind of oh, swat yeah. him a couple yeah, times. And they're to... not slow spiders either. They're juicy. But... <laughs> yeah, I don't. I almost think I hate the white the webs that get you in the face worse than the spider themselves. Sometimes it seems like we walk into them everywhere here. There's a beautiful spider web right now on the side of the lodge, and. Uh, when the sun gets to just the right spot in the sky, I hope to go out and take a picture of that spider web. They are genius. Spiders are really genius little engineers. I have to admire that, but. Yeah, they're just annoying. I wouldn't mind getting rid of every single one. You know, I say that, but everything has a consequence, right? The, I remember when we were in Arizona and we were in the hummingbird aviary. And they were talking about how when they first built the aviary, that the hummingbird nests were failing because they determined eventually was... They didn't have any spiders. They didn't have any spiders yet in the aviary. And hummingbirds depend on spiders' webs to hold their, hold their uh, nest together. They gather web and they use it as construction material or glue, if you will, to to in the making of their nests. So what the people at the zoo had to do was go all around the zoo and collect spiders and collect web on sticks and whatnot and put that into the hummingbird aviary. And then they had some successful nests. So if you were able to eradicate all the spiders, we have no idea what that effect would be in the overall scheme of things, right? Right. Except they wouldn't be in my face anymore. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe we just need more hummingbirds around here. I Yeah, I'd take hummingbirds over spiders any day. All right, next picture. Next picture is Front Street, Traverse City, Michigan. So we were in um, Traverse City recently. We like to go to Traverse City um, for a number of reasons. And the excuse that we often have is that's where the closest Costco is. And so we like to make a Costco run every now and then. Traverse City is about one hour from where we live in Boyne City. Um, so it's a nice little afternoon trip. Um, Traverse City on Front Street, which is the old Main Street through town, has a movie theater called the State Theater, which is... Um, a nonprofit run by volunteers and every, most summers, not this summer, thank you, COVID, but most summers they have a, a pretty substantial film festival in Traverse City that we have been able to attend a couple of times. It's a very good film festival. Really good film festival. And um, there's a lot of reasons to go. Traverse City is a beautiful little town. 
And uh, so we we like to go for a night out to the State Theater to see a movie. There's some really good restaurants, especially right in that downtown area. And so this summer, with COVID playing havoc with all of the economic life of of the country, um, Traverse City decided to close down, is it two or three blocks? I think it seems like I looked and it's actually three blocks. Of Main Street. So that restaurants that are not allowed to open to capacity for indoor dining. Which is most of them. Right. um, Were able to spill out into the streets and put tables and chairs and umbrellas outside in the streets so that people, so that they could serve more people and keep their economy running. So this is a picture of uh, taken from the middle of the street. Usually you would not dare to be out in the middle of the street. And they've also painted a large mural down the middle of the three blocks that they have closed off. Yeah, normally this street is a, is it's a one way, but it's two lanes and it's usually bumper to bumper traffic. Yeah, two lanes with time. parking on either side. Yeah, and it's, it's pretty usually chaotic. pretty loaded. Yeah. Yeah. There is a, quite a few crosswalks in there and people do stop for pedestrians quite often. But yeah, this picture is uh, just showing there's no cars on the street at all. And some of the canopies that are popping out on the one side of the picture here of the restaurants that have spilled out into the streets. And it was kind of nice to see that they were, um, they were just making, uh, making do with what they had to work with. And it, it was pretty impressive. Being creative. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know if it was an original idea or if they copied the idea after seeing other towns do this, but, um, I think Traverse City is a pretty creative town all around. Yeah, I remember them talking uh, when they were talking about actually doing this. Um, they had said that with the film festival we mentioned earlier, they actually closed uh, at least a couple of blocks for the uh, opening night of the film film festival. They'll have a a block party there, and they, so they closed this area down mm-hmm. uh, at least once a year. So it's not like it's never been done before, but it was definitely a a good way to expand on that idea. Yeah, but this is closed for the entire summer. So right. um, Traverse City is also known for being a um, prolific cherry growing area. And they have a cherry festival every summer. They, ha- they have a few festivals. They have quite a few festivals. Yeah, they do. It's, it's a very, very nice um, tourist uh, area in the summer they're right on lake michigan it's just a beautiful spot right um, on the grand traverse bay of lake michigan it's beautiful absolutely beautiful very youthful feeling town yeah you um you and i have been there i remember one time going and watching a movie it was summertime so even though it was an evening movie we came out and it was still uh daylight and we turned the corner to head to the parking lot we had parked in and there was a hot air balloon happening on the bay. Was, yeah. Yeah. Just, there's all kinds of stuff. Another time we drove into town and the fairgrounds was, um, was it, is it the fairgrounds or is it a campground? But it was um, shut down and was being used for a dog show. Do you remember that? Oh, that was the old civic center. The civic center. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's just always stuff going on in Traverse City. It's a fun town to visit. Yeah. Let's go to the next picture. I told you these pictures are random. They are random. (laughs) This is a picture of, uh, actually it's an ash tree that um, 
we just discovered um, a couple of days ago, got hit by lightning probably about three weeks ago. Um, we had a really bad electrical storm here one night. Lightning just went bonkers in this place. It trashed our uh, our internet, and um, we're still trying to recover some of the the uh, internet systems. We actually have a repairman coming later today to fix the, the remaining equipment that got fried, but uh, we're still discovering that... Uh, Damaged, yeah. That damage, we just discovered this is one of three trees that are all within a about a 15-foot radius of each other near one of our really oldest buildings on the park. Luckily, that didn't get hit, um, but definitely got hit by lightning and electricity went right down or up the tree, one or the other. It looked but like it slashed it. Yeah. It's Actually, all, the, all the three trees were just, it. looked yeah, like they were just whipped with lightning. Yeah. Um. That particular weekend was a weekend filled with storms. Um, the Saturday, there had been uh, a storm that went through this area with really high winds. We don't generally get tornadoes in this area. What we end up getting is shear line or straight line winds. And uh, they're actually like a tornado, but a tornado that's horizontal versus one that's vertical. And the um, town closest to us called Petoskey um, had lots of trees and damage that had happened to buildings. We managed to be spared that one. We didn't even have any trees come down in that one. And our little campground here is loaded with old trees. But the next day was a lightning storm. I guess it was in the night because Bill was off to work at the bakery and I was still in bed. And the lightning was just like a strobe lamp. It was just one flash after another, after another. And um, I got up and unplugged a few of our things. I unplugged my desktop computer and I unplugged some other things, but I neglected to unplug our internet modem and that bunch of equipment. And then I went and sat in the bathroom on a chair because I was so afraid. And then when I thought it had calmed down, I went back to bed and two seconds later, I heard a pop and a sizzle and a crackle and it sounded like maybe somebody had been fried in an electric chair. And uh, sure enough, it was all of the internet equipment and probably because the internet equipment goes from where the house is that we live in, how far across the grounds to that auditorium, Bill, that's... Quarter of a mile. Quarter of a mile away, but they're all connected through internet cable. And I'm not sure if the lightning traveled that whole spance or if it was separate hits, but yeah, it was. Uh, and it was probably two weeks later that we noticed these slash marks in the trees from the lightning. So it was a really devastating storm. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, Lake Michigan can really whip up some incredible storms that then, you know, travel through to Lake Charlevoix. I remember one time when our children were small and Bill's parents were campground managers here. And we came over and spent a weekend in the, in the red cabin that's on the lake side, lake shore with our kids. Thought we'd have a fun little weekend camping on the, on the shore. And, um, the, First night, we had a bat visit us, which chased us out of the building. Then the second morning, we had watched one of these storms come across the lake. And it was wild, eh, Bill? 
Yeah, it was short and sweet, but it was pretty violent as it went through. It was- we could see we were looking out the window up the lake and we could see, wow, over in Charlevoix, it looks like they're getting quite a storm. And we barely got those words out of our mouth. And the wind picked up and the windows blew open and trees started blowing over. And it was raining sideways and it was crazy. It was wild. And the electricity went out. And, and like you said, it was over within 10 minutes, but the devastation from it took days and days to recuperate from. Yeah. Okay, let's go to our next picture. Oh. (laughs) Uh, Really? (laughs) I told you the pictures were random. Yeah, this is random, all right. So this is a picture of Broadkill. Um, We're actually in the little town of Gaylord that's a little ways from here. And... um, should we give a? Should we have given a disclaimer? You may not want to look at this next picture. Too late. Okay. <laughs> this is actually the carcass of a badger. We couldn't believe we were at a stoplight, and I said, "That looks like a badger." Rolled down the window. I was like, "That's weird. That is a badger." Badger There's- got run over in downtown Gaylord. Yeah, and it was like the busiest intersection in Gaylord. It's where the I-75 comes in and exits from Gaylord and there's four lanes of traffic. And what the heck was a badger doing in the middle of that intersection in the middle of Gaylord? I don't know. Have you ever seen a badger in the wild up here in northern Michigan? Yes. You have? Yes. Where? Tell me about it. Oh, actually, when I used to help our neighbor do tree farming, uh, they would be out in the tree fields quite a little bit. They would dig holes in the ground and uh, I think in, they, on Tribon Road uh, not on Tribon Road but um, just in that neighborhood near Sheboygan closer but yeah I guess I've heard our son Andy talk about running into a badger somewhere near in somewhere close here in northern Michigan when they were out hunting but I've never seen a badger in the wild in northern Michigan I we had an encounter with a badger at Yellowstone National Park once. Yeah, they're around. They're rare. I mean, there's not a lot of them, and they're pretty secluded animals, and they seem to always be mad at the world. I just have no <laughs> idea why he was I, I would think that town. they're pretty elusive. So, yeah, a badger in town, but not, not only that, like in the busiest, he must have been really confused. Yeah, um, you know, there's some new construction right there, and I wonder if they uh, oh, you think have there was taken a over his space or something. But uh, Oh, where they're building that hotel? Right, right. Huh. It's possible that he was living right there somewhere. I mean, this is a pretty gross picture, but it's evidence that we saw a badger. <laughs> yeah. It's And the only way you can tell, I hate, this is awful, but. If you zoom in. I, yeah, it's a, kind of what's left is the top of his head. I can see an ear and that distinctive stripe that goes down right. through their forehead and down the back of their body. But right. we can move on from this picture. We don't need but, to dwell on this picture. Yeah. How weird, though, to it see was weird. badgers. The things <laughs> the, you see. All right. The next picture. I don't even think I told you about this. I just snapped a picture. Can you tell us what it is, Bill? Well, it's. Our cat, Moses, looks like he's all curled up in the box of um, unpaid, unpaid bills. Unpaid bills that I have <laughs> on the desk. Yeah, we have a cat, and the cat is a problem. Big problem. 
So our daughter, Lauren, brought home a kitten her senior year of high school. She says she rescued it because one of her friend's older sister who had a a toddler had gotten this kitten and the toddler was terrorizing the cat, carrying it around by its neck and dragging it by its leg. And and the toddler and the cat were not getting along. And so Lauren voluntarily saved the cat and brought him home. And 14 years later. We still, still have this stupid house. cat. I think, you know, he's a, he's a cat that was born in trauma, evidently. And he Apparently, has brain damage. He's been traumatized his whole life. And now he's traumatizing us. Yeah. He's becoming a terrorist. He's not a friendly cat. He never has been a friendly cat. Nope. He's always been a very defensive cat. Um, not the kind of skittish cat that when you have company... It runs off and hides under a bed or something and just stays out of the way. No, this cat. He comes after the help. Yeah. And the visitors. And we tell anybody who visits us, we tell them, please just ignore the cat. He's going to want to be around. And he he does like to be around people. He just doesn't want anybody to make any gestures or advances toward him. He becomes very defensive and he'll hiss and... He will bite and swat at you, and it's terrible. We usually just put him in a bedroom somewhere, but then he'll whine and cry like he's going to be tortured. Yeah. And everybody thinks we're being so mean, it's, but it's for their own good. It's for their own protection. <laughs> Moses, yeah. um, we t- well, we tell people he's not a very nice cat, and so don't even try. He's going to roll around at your feet and show you his belly and act so cute and the minute you reach your hand down there to give him a little pet, he's going to draw blood. And he has. And everybody thinks that they're going to be the exception to the rule that, oh, I get along great with cats. Cats love me. And what happens to them, Bill? They get bit. And they have to have a Band-Aid. Yeah. <laughs> we usually keep Band-Aids on hand when we have company. That's kind of sad. He is just not a friendly cat. He likes me some of the time, maybe even most of the time. but. He he gets annoyed with me and takes after me too at times. And we, yeah, like he bites you if you close the window and he doesn't want to close and crazy things like he's that. He's a terrible cat. He's a terrible problem. And he's such a diva now too. He's he's got some stomach issues and the every food that we have fed him forever now he just throws it up and so now he only wants to eat tuna fish. <laughs> yeah, la di da. He's a, yeah, he's a going concern, but he is cute. He's a pretty cat. Yeah. Got that, I guess. I know I have seen you sometimes being very nice to the cat. I know there's a tiny spot in your heart that is soft for Moses, but it's pretty tiny. It's it's merely a speck. (laughs) Let's move on to our next picture. Okay. Our next picture. I love this picture. <laughs> so Winnie and I uh, had the privilege of shooting a wedding this weekend. That um, uh, We are not necessarily wedding photographers, although we have shot several weddings, um, many weddings, um, even going back to film days where you, you shot all day and had no idea if your camera was working right or not. And if your pictures were coming out, that was scary. Yeah. <clears throat> At least but, you know. 
And we keep saying we never want to shoot another wedding again. And then somebody that we know that we feel close to or somebody special will be getting married and and um, we end up doing another wedding. But there are a lot of stress and there are a lot of work. Right. So this picture is actually the uh, grandparents um, of the bride. Um, and it's, as you can see in this picture, for those who can see, um, there's a couple that Winnie actually asked them to uh, snuggle up to each other so that we could get a picture of them. You know what? I had asked them to snuggle up to each other earlier in the day. This was another time they snuggled up all on their own this time. Yeah. <laughs> but they're taking, they're kissing each other with their COVID masks on. And it was, I just thought it was uh, time appropriate for a, a picture like this. And these days you can still kiss through your mask. Yeah. You know, very interesting to have a wedding during um, social distancing because of COVID. And, uh, you know, you, brides and grooms are having to decide, do they want to hold out and have their wedding at a time when they can have a more traditional wedding where they can invite 200 people and, and do, do it exactly how they had envisioned? Or are they willing to scale back and have far fewer people attend their wedding and ask their guests to social distance and to wear masks and, and uh, go ahead and get married anyways, in spite of the situation at hand. And this particular bride and groom were not going to wait. They decided they would, they would embrace COVID and have a COVID social distancing wedding. And it was kind of interesting to, to see and kind of fun to take pictures of, you know, the, People sitting for the ceremony, everybody masked up. <laughs> yeah, you definitely will remember when these pictures were taken in a few years. Right, right. Unless it becomes the norm. Let's hope this not. not is not the norm, but um, right. um, it is kind of fun to see everybody's different interpretation of masks, too. Right. We tend to just wear the paper medical masks that, you know, are pretty common, but um, people who like to sew or people who know people who sew are getting really clever and really creative with their masks. Um, I know in this picture of the grandma and grandpa, grandma is quite a seamstress. Chances are that she sewed the, the outfit that she had on that day for the wedding. Don't you think Bill? Could be. I think she, I, I'd lay money on it. She sews everything. And I know that she sewed the masks that they're wearing and it's just so sweet to see them cuddling up. How old is your uncle Gene? Um, I believe he's 88. And uh, Doris is probably pretty close to that same age. Maybe not that old. He walks. They're both in their eighties anyways. Gene in who's 88 or however old he is in that area. He gets up every day and he says it's hard to get going. His back hurts and his hips hurt and it's hard to get moving. But, he forces himself to get up and take a walk and he's walking. How far did he tell us? I think he said he was walking eight miles a day. I think you're right. I think he said eight miles a day early in the morning. He takes his camera and takes pictures of anything interesting he sees along the way. And he said, by the time he gets back, he feels really good. His back isn't hurting anymore. His joints are all loosened up and he's ready for the day. I think that's fantastic. That's great. I mean, that's that's the secret to life, I think, is keep moving. You got to keep moving. Is this our last picture? I don't know. I think this might be our last picture. 
Well, this is a picture of a sunset on Lake Charlevoix down at our beach. This never gets old. No, it's uh, just a calm night and the sun had already set. And quite often what we've found with sunsets, we've, we kind of joke with each other that uh, quite often we'll see people that are watching the sunset and then they get up and they leave. Yeah. And then the sunset sun sky starts to light up for at least at least a half an hour, 45 minutes after the sun actually sets. Yeah. There's always the potential for It doesn't always happen. No. And you need to have some cloud cover in the sky, but when there's cloud cover in the sky, you can have some just awesome skies that light up in pinks and oranges and all kinds of different colors that can happen and when we have the photography workshop here at Park of the Pines, it's led by Jim Doty. Plug for Jim Doty also. He's the author of uh, the Digital Exposures for Dummies book. And um, when he talks about photographing sunsets, he always talks about this, that when the sun dips below the horizon, that is not the time to leave because there's always the potential for what he calls second sunset. And it probably physics is the word to use, but there's something about when the sun bends around the surface of the earth to a certain point where it reflects back into the atmosphere. And it's really great if there's, like Bill said, a little bit of clouds um, or some, you know, mist or moisture in the atmosphere. And it reflects off of that and creates a whole nother um, beautiful sunset, often way more beautiful than the original sunset. Yeah, it just it will illuminate whatever is in the sky. It's it's pretty pretty crazy. We've we've seen some like you said, sometimes it fizzles light out and you have nothing. And we've made the mistake of saying, "Oh, doesn't look like it's going to happen tonight." And then we get we've got a 5-minute walk to get back into the house and we get it back up to the house and we go look over oh. our shoulder. <laughs> and we know if we walk back down there it'll be gone by then, but yeah. yeah, which is so. why this picture was taken with a cell phone and not with one of our more professional cameras that would have taken a much better picture. But um, there is a saying in the photography world, when somebody asks you, what's the best camera to take pictures with? It's the camera that you have with you. Right. The one you have in your hand. Right. So a picture to, to have evidence of what you saw is better than no picture at all. which brings me to the point where we talk about the picture that got away. Um, we like to end our podcast talking about uh, the picture we did not get or the picture we weren't quick enough to get, the picture that got away. And um, which is why having your cell phone with you all the time is a handy thing. It might not be the best quality picture ever, but if you have a moment in time that, um, that you just want to capture that, whip out the cell phone and boy, cell phones, some cell phones take really fantastic pictures anymore. They've gotten a lot better than they were a few years ago. I've got an old phone and it's no good at all, but the one you have is much better than mine. My phone is actually though the same um, model as yours. It's a little bit newer, but it's the same. We have um, iPhone six pluses, I think, which are pretty old technology in that phone technology moves on every week it seems like yeah but i i have seen some people whip out their cell phone and take pictures even at sometimes you're shooting a wedding and you've got 
the most expensive equipment equipment you can have and you're taking pictures and some guest will whip their phone out of their pocket and take a picture and you think, darn it. <laughs> oh, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, the best the best camera is the one you have with you. I think in a previous um, episode of our podcast, the one where we talked about Yellowstone National Park, we mentioned um, the Dear Bob and Sue podcast by Karen and Matt Smith. Yep. And they said that they get the question all the time, what kind of a camera do you use when you're hiking in the national parks? And um, I was I was a little bit surprised to hear them say that they only use their cell phones. Yeah. And I think they do that because they don't want to have to haul around a big, heavy, expensive uh, camera that you have to worry about. They're more worried about hiking and enjoying their hike. And they're not, their primary focus is not just to take pictures, but they have taken some really awesome pictures with their cell phones. So what can you think of a picture, Bill, that has gotten away from us? You always ask me this and I never, never seem to come up with much of anything. You need to make a list. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I can think of a picture and this was probably uh, before cell phones were common. And uh, you and I were at the Grand Traverse Mall. Do you, remember, do you oh. know what I'm going to say? Yep. Yeah, I think I've said to you if you I, when it happened. So the this was you. You see, tell the story. The things you see when you don't have a camera. Yeah. You so see. Winnie and I are walking through the mall, and uh, we walked near the Victoria's Secret store, and I don't know for some reason something caught my eye, and I looked over. Wait a minute! Something at the Victoria's Secret store caught, caught your my eye. eye. Yeah, oh, okay. something that was on sale. I think. Oh come on. <laughs> Okay. No. So, um, no, I noticed it's kind of these two ladies um, with their Amish hats on and aprons with their um, bags from Victoria's Secrets coming We're out of the store. <laughs> and I said to Winnie, the things we have when you don't have, see when you don't have a camera. So the, there's an Amish secret that... Um, That's an Amish secret. <laughs> they like to shop at Victoria's Secret. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> so that's our episode for today. Uh, random photos from our cell phone and just random, random thoughts. <laughs>